What's good, everybody? It's your boy, Richard here. I'm, of course, one half of your Routine Progress duo. So look, I wanted to hop in right at the top of this video to explain a few things. This video was actually filmed in February. February is, of course, Black History Month. Now, over here at Routine Progress, I don't know what they do anywhere else. But over here at Routine Progress, we believe in discussing and celebrating Black History 365. So that's exactly what we're about to do with this episode. So tune in, stick with us. We're about to get into it. Okay, ready, let's go. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into issues we want to know more about. Join us on our journey of Routine Progress. Nick looked over at me and he was like, you know, Richard, it's hard being a Black man. <laughs> well, I, I mean... I, yeah, but also the thing is, like, I grew up with, like, my dad idolizing, like, Frederick Douglass and, like, <laughs> like, like... Yes, yes. Like we, no, no, yeah, we, we talk about this a lot, man. Your dad had this love for uh, the Constitution, yeah. one. Uh, and then what I mean by that, I don't mean that in the same way that some people are obsessed with it today. He yeah. was obsessed with, like, dissecting and analyzing it, right? Well, in the, in, in the guise of equality, too, just like if we're going to hold these truths to be self-evidence, let's talk about the truth. Let's not like, oh, like, look, oh, look over it for fucking people who have used it to, like, create, get power and shit. Like, that's the truth. Which brings us to the topic of today's episode. Oh. Uh, my history being able to exist without the context of white history. <laughs> no, we're going to get into that. So, like, there, this, I mean, I'm so excited for this in general yeah. because, like, I, I mean, even in the process of, of this year, but especially even this, like this podcast preparation, like I've learned so much more than I, than I ex like not expected to, but just like, I've learned so much and I am ever excited to now like have this more part of my cultural repertoire, which why like this movement is so important. So I'm just really excited that we get to deep dive into this. Yeah, no, no. I'm excited as well, man. Especially uh, after following a year that was 2020 where there was such heavy emphasis on black people. Um, but a lot of that emphasis was placed on black pain, I would say, black pain and suffering, um, which is a trend here in America. And so I'm glad to be able to just talk about black history in the way that I've always known it and share some of the conversations with you all that Nick and I have had that have been very uh, just like heartwarming and eye opening throughout this month. And uh, we think this is these are the sort of conversations that need to be had around the subject of Black history. So, yeah, stick around with us as we dive into it. Yeah, I, I mean, just to add on to that at the very end, I just am, I'm really excited because it's like, obviously, there's much more awareness around Black history and, and Black lives and, and so much more than now. But it's like now is the time to use that momentum to get to really get nuanced into all this stuff. And I think teaching Black history is such an important uh, thing to talk about and the way we're talking about it and the way we're kind of uh, contextualizing all of these conversations in a way that is going to empower Black people rather than like continuous cycle of abuse, whether it be verbally or physically or whatever. Valid, very valid. So, so yeah. to start off, Richard, I would love if you could kind of take us through like the origins of Black history, like where did it come from? Who started it? And like and like the progression of it becoming okay. what, we see, what we do now is Black History Month. So I guess if we're talking about the beginning of what is now Black History Month, we have to uh, first acknowledge what was then Black History Week, right? Um, and that started with Carter G. Woodson, um, and he was a part of the uh, I think he was the president of the Association of Negro Life and History, um, and so. 
it started as initially, yeah, just one week in February that was dedicated toward the appreciation of uh, Black history that was before us. What year um, was that? That was 1926. That happened in 1926. Shit, man. Okay, so... That's when the first like idea came around of spending some time to make sure we understand Black history. Yeah, and I think the I think that it started. Uh, I think the significance to February is just the fact that uh, it was close uh, to the birthday of both Abraham Lincoln and also Frederick Douglass, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. It was it was kind of like putting it around that time because those were two pioneers in in making sure that Black people were treated like humans. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're still doing it, but like, yeah, like, great. <laughs> um, so it wasn't until uh, I would say, I think it was the 1970s where a group of students from Kent State University of all places in the middle of Ohio, right? That's where Kent State, it was at Kentucky. Oh, in Ohio, great. Ohio. I thought I was in the middle of nowhere in Ohio. And I think I've actually <laughs> been there before. <laughs> um, Okay, well, and what I loved about that too is like, I think it was first, uh, Black History Month was first like suggested in 1969, like this summer of love. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I think that's so, that's so like right on point, right? And, and like culturally, if you if you know that time period, it puts you back in that time and you're like, oh man, that's valid. That makes sense. Cause some people got together and they were just like, you know what, man, like a, like a week is not too long. A week is not long enough, brother. Like we got to give it a month, man. <laughs> like let's do these drugs and like learn that we're all one <laughs> and realize yeah, that exactly. like beyond these shells, there's nothing but just the same human spirit. So that was, um, that was around 69, uh, 70. And I don't think it was until like nine, 10 years later that um, President Ford, of all people, rec started to recognize it uh, nationwide as Black History Month. So that is just the base origin of where we get Black History Month from. Yeah, what's interesting about that too is like it it was it was the Kent State was the first uh, place to celebrate it in 1970, and it kind of spread throughout the country little by little over six years before the President Gerald Ford recognized it as a national holiday, national like week, month. Like it had to get it had to get trendy first. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and I, that's I feel like that's like such an interesting way to look at like how we feel about like progress now too. Like it takes time to build momentum for movements and stuff like that, and getting things to actually change really takes time and really gets the people to do it first before fucking people in power will even acknowledge it. So that's the power of the people right there. There's actually this quote by uh, Carter G. Woodson. Let me bring this up real quick that I really love. That sort of, um, that I think really encompasses the way that he thought uh, about the significance of, of having Black History Month. And, and Carter G. Woodson was the person who first even thought about Black History Week back in 1926. Yeah, so this puts you sort of into where his mind frame was at the time. And, and his quote says, okay. the oppressor teaches the Negro that he has no worthwhile past, that his race has done nothing significant since the beginning of time, and that there's no evidence that he will ever achieve anything great. And that quote sounds really damning, but if you put it in context as to why we have Black History Month, it really... Uh, uh, lends itself honestly to the conversation that we want to have today about again the overall message of uh, really appreciating Black history and Black uh, uh, historians for what they are and not in the context of something else, uh, namely being white people and white history. Yeah, well, I mean, 
it's so interesting to use and the word that kept coming up throughout this research was like the colonization of history and like you know colonization i feel like is a word that's thrown around so much nowadays but that's but when you think about it if you're telling history from the point of making it look like like white people are are the better people you're going to make it look like the black people are not as good people and if you're picking and choosing what you're saying that is literally taking power away through the lens of their worth from like their history if you take away their history they don't have value and that is just, it's such a powerful thing to have control over and yeah. like when we talk about equity for for everyone that like if equity equitable history is like it's such a bizarro concept because you don't think about it a lot, but it really is so integral to kind of the way we view people and ever and, and the way we view value. Well, I mean, no, no, that's totally correct. And I mean, lens, lens and perspective is everything. And it weighs a lot more than people actually think it does. And this is actually the perfect uh, gateway to a conversation that you and I've had this week that I want you to key people in on. And uh, so, so Nick and I had this uh, a couple conversations this week uh, surrounding this school in Utah. And I'm gonna, maybe you should, I'm gonna let you explain to people the situation with this school in Utah. Let them yeah. know. So like we know where his Black History Now has come from a little bit. But like, I, we were curious as to like, where, what, where are we now with all of this? Like, how are we teaching black history after 19, since 1926, when we've been trying to get this done or some people have, I should say, and where are we now? So uh, the, as we were researching this past week, there's this, this article that we found, um, story you may or may not have heard in Utah. Um, there was a school um, in Ogden and they sent out a letter to their, their, the parents of the school, of the kids in the school, they were uh, reformatting their Black History Month curriculum. And they were sending out a letter to announce that, I guess. And in that first email, he sent a, a letter as well in that email saying, offering parents to be able to opt out of, the, uh, of their Black History curriculum if they wanted to. And of <laughs> course, once that came to light in the news, there was a backlash and then they very quickly rescinded that option to be able to opt out of it. They were like, oh, never mind. We we heard through the grapevine and this is a bad idea. Which is like really frustrating because it's like, first of all, like, of course you're gonna like take it back after people got mad, but you still took the initiative to, to give that option in the first place. Right. Uh, but the quote that it really kind of threw me was uh, Mr. H uh, Hirokawa, initially said in the Facebook post, which appears to have been removed, that he, re quote, reluctantly sent a letter to parents explaining that, quote, families are allowed to exercise their civil rights to not participate Black History Month at the school. And that shocked me because the, the aggressive- because it's, a, because it's a macro aggression? Yeah, to, like the word civil rights, like where, like, I mean, we could do a whole episode on where that comes from, but like the way we know it is like from this, the 60s movement of, of fighting for black rights. And to use that word as it's, it's a very like Republican conservative way of like, of gaslighting, right? To use the words that we've used to fight for equality, to use it to, to, to co-op, to co-opt it and to, and to uh, restrict people from access to to equality. So it's like, it's just like, it's very like, oh, we're going to use your language against you. But, but, but really, all it is, is you're allowing students to opt out of history, right? To protect, right, a, to protect a certain narrative, 
to protect a certain narrative and reality that you, that you want to uh, enforce upon your child at home, you are giving, they, they have the option and you would take that option to allow them to opt out of actual history, right? And then a lot of these people uh, in this school district in, in Utah would, would use the defense of like, oh, well, Black history is not the only thing that they're allowed to opt out of. They're also allowed to opt out of maybe science if they wanted to, because science well, teaches evolution. Well, that's the kicker here about this whole, because when we looked further, like underneath the, the hood of this this kind of very kind of fucked up story it it brought to light that this has been a you like i mean there are probably many states that do stuff like this because like freedom of religion freedom of whatever like utah has had a history of being able to let parents opt out of anything any subject that hasn't you know sit well with their i mean well let's just be real it's like religious beliefs mostly right and so one of those things back in the day was and actually I should not say that back in the day, because there's still people today who are against evolution, but it's like the teaching science, the theory of evolution, for example, that was something that was like freedom of religion. Like I don't, my kids shouldn't have to learn about evolution because I believe that the earth was created in seven days by that man in the sky, that white old man. With the well, I believe, I believe the topic of black history month and being able to opt out of that is, is receiving much more backlash and much more attention because let's be honest, like, out of those two things, one of them, you have a certain grounds to argue, right? You can, you, you, you can, we, you can use the theory of evolution, or you could say that we were all just dropped down here by God, right? And none of us would actually be able to uh, sway anyone who has that opinion, like left or right, right? They're, they're made up in that choice. But Black people are in front of you. We exist. We're right next to you. I know that it's not a lot of people, but there's like zero point, I think it's 0.8% of that population from that town, from that school district is Black. So you can't, you can't deny that like, I am here and I have history. That's what makes it so ridiculous. You know what I mean? It's like, you can, you can believe in, um, I don't know. It's just like one of these things you can't deny because it is physically in front of you. Well, I have two things to say about that because one, I think, especially for schools that are majority white, like for example, I went to a school in upstate New York that was majority white. And like, if you don't have, it's in, if you don't have black people around you, you're only gonna know what black people are about based on what you see in movies or what you see on the news or what you see. And if you're not learning the real history, if you're not learning the actual value of someone like that, uh, that you don't see out in your own community, you're gonna generalize, you're gonna stereotype, you're gonna fall into these tropes that creates that continue to create these kind of racist pockets in the country right so so that in itself is is why i think it's even more important for schools like that to teach really correct and honest black history and make sure that everyone learns it and then also just the idea of like being able to opt out of education especially in public schools like it doesn't mean you have to believe it right like you can be a christian you can believe in the seven day creation myth and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say myth, but whatever. Triggers, triggers, triggers. <laughs> but if you're not having the, even the, if you're choosing to be ignorant, if you're continuing to literally say, I don't even want to entertain any information around this, like that is the problem here. And that is like, I think why we're in so many problems problem. in our country is that, that people that's... have chosen to be ignorant about issues and only want to hear information that makes them feel better or makes them like not feel bad, you know, about like... <laughs> the fucking shit that we did to black people for the majority of this country and still are doing in many ways today. And well, so that's so it, like, 
that that's what pisses me off the most. It's like, why are you choosing to be ignorant because of a belief that has no standing whatsoever? Sure, all all of that is valid. Like it's it's just very ridiculous. At the end of the day, you could you could really uh, pack all of that together and just say that what, what, the the choice that you're making is just ridiculous, right? Because no one else would want to hear the argument, the petty, admittedly petty argument of this being vice versa, or even equal. No one would want to hear the argument of like, oh, so do we get to opt out of white history? Because that's not helpful. It doesn't serve a purpose at the end of the day, right? And then we also talked about how, like, what would this actually look like being able to opt out of black history in the middle of history class? Do we now have to give little Susie and Tommy time to get up and collect their things and take away seconds from class time so they can leave and go hang out in the library because like mom believes that black people aren't real? Like that's some bullshit. Like that's some bullshit. You know what I mean? That takes up actual time, man. Like that's crazy. Hey, want to support a self-funded podcast? Click the donate link in the description below. One thing that I did make me want to ask you, and I don't think I've ever asked you this before, um, you, because you and I are a lot alike in so, so many ways as we always highlight, but what was your experience like as far as, I mean, I know what your life was like growing up in Rochester, but what was your experience in like public school and like black history? Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely have taken a look at this um, since this year, obviously, and like reflected on it. And I, I remember being very upset in this reflection being like, I, I was definitely got that generic whitewashed version of black history, which was like, we had slaves and then like Harriet Tubman came and like freed them all. And then with the, the help of some white people and then like shit. Was <laughs> and then like shit was kind of weird for a while after the civil war. And then, uh, we were kind of, and then like segregation happened and then like Martin Luther King came um, and and Rosa Parks came and Ruby Bridges came and then we fought for civil rights. And then, you know, the white president did a nice thing and, you know, integrated schools. And then we're kind of, and then we've been chill until 2016. (laughs) Like, 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 I mean, that's, to be fair, I wasn't always the most astute student. I kind of thought school was a waste of time because all they wanted me to do was memorize tests, memorize facts for tests. But like that being set aside, like I think there was no like real kind of introspection on it all. And there was no real, like, I mean, and we'll talk about this, but like, looking back it was just kind of all framed in the sense of like what white people did to black people and then how black people fought to like become part of white society mm-hmm. and like that's the goal for for us you know that's like the good the happy ending is like yeah people finally started getting to do things white people got to do and like good for them you know which is like Jeez. <laughs> like okay <Jeez. laughs> and like obviously like i i was lucky enough to grow up in a household that didn't like my parents are from New York city. Like we were, I was raised in a very kind of like, op- I was, you know, I had like an Indian guru, like, you know, raised so like I have a whole different mind, like worldview coming from that. But like, if I, so I, I, I feel like I wasn't. Yeah. Any- I, 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 sorry not to cut you off, but I, I met your father before he, before he passed. And, um, my favorite thing about him was he had a like a healthy curiosity about everything. Right. Not exactly. really identify with that. With, like with question him. everything. Exactly. Just question. Yeah. Everything. Don't fucking believe everyone. Like every little person that don't definitely don't believe where you're spoon fed for sure. Which yeah. Is exactly. And like no. so, I mean that. Yeah. It it's sad to hear like that. It was a very generically like white version of education about black people. 
yeah, generic comes to mind. Like it also sounds really convenient that <laughs> that version. But like that's not that's not to like you know what I mean. Like that's not your weight. That's not your responsibility. Most people actually receive the. That's pretty much what it is across the board. I would say. Well, I think we're realizing that, right? Like that 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 the the. I mean, the conversation around all of this is through the lens of kind of black victimization and through the lens of of you know white fragility and you know uh, white guilt in some way in some shape or form and i think that's the conversation we'd be having now about how to teach it better and it, it's like well, i didn't have that conversation but i mean for, before we go into that i want to ask you richard like what's the like i mean how did you feel about your public school education in in black history versus like where, where you like i just what was it like um I guess I, um, so you moved around a lot too. Yeah, I was going to say I, I've moved around a lot. So I've gotten this experience in many different places. So in Mississippi, I would say that you could not uh, ignore the context of Black history. So, but you can also not ignore the context of the South and what it is um, and the deep rooted racism. So it was always a very sensitively taught subject when I was at home in Mississippi. Like we hinted on things, but it, it didn't get too deep. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and growing up in in Maryland, it was, uh, I'd say there was importance placed on learning black history, um, especially because growing up in an area so close, uh, I grew up outside of Baltimore, but like growing up in an area close to that city, you, you deal with a lot of like black political figures uh, moving in and out of the city, coming to meet people and introduce themselves and uh, <clears throat> like figures from the NAACP uh, coming around to the church and things like that. That happened on a regular basis when I was in Maryland. Um, in Ohio. You said coming to the church though, not to your school. Oh yeah. See, I don't even, I don't even, and that's what I mean. I don't, I was, I was going to get to that. I don't connect my, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't connect my experience with black history with the school, because even in Ohio, it was like the same thing that you were taught the, that, that same base package was given to me mm -hmm. as black history in Ohio. But the difference is I learned about black history at home. I learned about, about black history in community centers. I learned about black history at church. Um, you know our mutual friends, Katie and Grace. Um, I met them when I moved to Ohio for high school, right? Mm -hmm. And whenever they would rarely come to my house just because my house was not like the party house, you know? Um, they would be like, yo, Richard, your house is like a, a, a fucking museum. And, it, and it, I never thought of it that way at first, but then I realized because of my, my dad, my stepdad who raised me, um, there was always so much rich black culture around me. There was like, maps from Egypt on the wall and like black artifacts and weaponry like on display and just books about black history and like like when I used to get in trouble Nick like I didn't get like I mean I would get a spanking or a whooping from time to time but like my dad would make me write essays on like the responsibility of being a black man and like shit was deep rooted you know what I mean like I used to have to write essays and listen to lectures when I would get punished and um in church uh, Sunday school and vacation Bible school, we were always learning about our people and our history. And I'm so, I'm so grateful for it now. And any of my friends would agree that back then we were like, yo, we are so 
over this shit. Like, why do we have to learn all of this? But now I would not trade that knowledge and that education for the world. Yeah. I mean, it's actually one funny fact, like when you talk about maps, like when during this process, like I came to you once because I, I was learning that the the maps have even been changed by white people to make it look like the white the white areas of the world are larger than yeah. the black areas of the world. Like it's actually augmenting the size of different countries. So the European kind of white like countries look bigger and more influential than like say like Africa does, which is actually the biggest continent. Uh, so it's yeah. like that blew my, and I told you that and you're like, I knew that. <laughs> like, you know yeah, I, mean? I was gonna say like, like because <laughs> of those maps like from Egypt, like my, my dad, like he would, he would show me and I, a lot of them were so old that they would be wrapped in like this like protective seal and then put into a frame. But I had the conversation where he sat down and showed me a map from the United States and then showed me the maps that we've always had on our wall. And I was just like, oh, okay. Like back back then, I'm sure I was like, okay, pops, like I get it. Like, right, sure. Yeah, sure. You know, but now I'm like, damn, he was really like, he was really, really walking me through it and, and teaching me a lot, a whole hell of a lot. Yeah. And it's like those small things. Like, I don't know. I, I know it's such a weird, like it's just a small little tidbit of information, but when I heard that, I was like, what a subversive way to like, and we talk about like, I think this discussion nowadays of like, what are the real impacts of systemic racism? Like, how do you like claim that, you know, it's not, people aren't lynching people in the street anymore, like that kind of thing versus, but like that kind of stuff really is influential. Like even just subconsciously, like making South America and Africa smaller compared to Canada and, you know, like Europe and America, it's like North America, or it's like, what? It's the same, same way like men created the, like rewrote the Bible halfway through to turn fucking gay people into pedophiles, you know, like, right. like that pedophiles into gay people. I mean, like that, that all this stuff of like recreating history for people in power to make it seem like they're more influential and, and then subsequently demonizing other people or belittling other people or dehumanizing other people like that shit is we have yeah, to collectively or, or come together and say that is just not acceptable <laughs> like, like or even denying someone else's complete existence before you touch their lives is just what has been happening and that is the broader that's the broader again the broader context of the conversation that we're having today like mm -hmm. black history being able to exist and be taught without the attachment of white people right and, and white history because so many of us are taught that black history started when started when like uh when when black slate when black people were brought to africa uh, brought to America from Africa. And that's just not how this works. You know what I mean? And and even in the lens of being able, no, go ahead. No, 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 finish, 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 finish. I was just going to say, like, I was going to bring up another example. Uh, even the, uh, like another thing, like the maps that we talked about that, that, that you at first were like, I had no clue is, is the, the massacre in Tulsa, right? Mm -hmm. When we talk about Black Wall Street. Um, right. Here's another story of my ignorant, my white ignorance coming to Richard with something. And then you would like put like, you know, <laughs> like, which I'm so grateful for, to be honest, like, cause I like, no, what? No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So like we, we, we both collectively found the story of like the Tulsa massacre in, in where was it? Um, let me get my, my facts here. It was in 1921 um, in Greenwood, which again is like not even called, is it called Greenwood still? Or is it? I, I want to say maybe it is still called Greenwood. Okay, but it was in Oklahoma, and it was a collective community of of black people who who started this whole 
really wealthy. Well, at the time it was created, it became one of the wealthiest, uh, I think wealthiest communities in America and for sure the wealthiest black community in America. And it was created yeah. by uh, 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 O.W. Gurley, um, who, Gurley or Gurley, he was the first man to own land there. And his quote is like, he was built by black people for black people. He went out of his way to give loans to, to anyone who coming into the town and make sure there was equity giving rise. And it, and, and you, we, we should we should make it clear that this wasn't like some small operation. This was a bustling town. Like they were there were movie theaters, there were markets, there were banks, and all of yeah. this and black it was done on their own in the midst. Yeah. And this is the the caveat too, because it's all this is being done in the midst of extreme overt racism in the country at the time. Like this is not like like nowadays where it's like oh great like we you know like like whatever they have access. Like these are people who are being objectively actively like pushed down and then they find a way to do it on their own and then there was some allegation of one of the per one person in this town had a rape allegation or something again a sexual assault allegation against a white girl somewhere yeah, and it wasn't even it wasn't even clear that it was a sexual assault allegation it was just like these they got into an elevator together they got out with by the time they got out of the elevator she was screaming mm -hmm. uh i think that day or the next day he was taken to jail and they said that he had attacked her although she never pressed charges against this man the entire town was destroyed by yeah, it was destroyed. It was, it was massacred. Like, that's what. That's why I really hate when people refer to it as a riot. It was one hundred percent a terrorist massacre. Right, and like, so it was. It was. It's disgusting. And like the, the what I when I came to you with all of this, like, and I was talking about how it was, you know, crazy. You're like, well, but the the first step of this is that it's referred to as the Tulsa massacre of 1921, which is framed in black victimization which is framed of white people doing things to black people and that's history versus like we no one knows the name ow Gurley. like i didn't know that yeah. beforehand like let's the, the achievements of these of these people before obviously obviously we should have both like we need to talk about the truth in every way but like we frame it in such a way that it's like oh yeah another situation where black people are being like fucked over by by white people which is true but also not the full story of being able to look at black people as like oh we're they're actually like on their own too and, that, and that's why i think it's it's important too because even now it's hard for you and i to not frame the context of the conversation in the same way because we don't even know enough about those bustling businesses yeah. like yo they had their own movie theater they had their own markets they had their own beauty salons and barber shops their own banks like it, it's again like these people figuring out a way to exist independently and their whole way of living day to day was not oh, we're going to do what white people are doing, but yeah. we're black people doing it. They were just living. They were just existing. And even if it was black people who, who coined the term Black Wall Street, yeah. literally in the name itself, that's comparing it contextually to white history mm -hmm. instead of letting it just be Greenwood. You know what I mean? Because it's Black Wall Street because white Wall Street exists. Mm -hmm. No, this place exists because people work hard. Yeah. Because they together as a community and they grew it and white people could not take so they went through and destroyed it they dumped bodies into mass graves even today even today in today's time there's still ongoing trials about when they can uncover those mass graves to discover the actual totals of the people that were decimated there that's crazy yeah it, it it's it's like so I remember when I first read was reading about that story, like I was literally like in tears in my like kitchen, just like reading these stories. Cause I was like the history of, of 
of all of inheritance, right? Like half the wealth that is created for people of our age and younger are from inheritances, right? Like, and yeah. having like them having houses to pass down, them having money, the, all this stuff that could have been created for a, a large number of black people nowadays was destroyed from the ground all the way down to the ground. So all these people that would have had a leg up that would have been able to like come into society, like have a certain standing that most white people get to a certain degree, like, didn't get that you know and then there are people and there are people that would say well well who are you to say what that town would have become or how long it would have lasted um but sure but what we can say is that after that massacre occurred those people had to live in tent cities right so who knows how long it took them to get their family back up on their feet and moving and 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 you know what i mean and that's why i hate this fucking like pick yourself up by your bootstraps like you're just lazy it's conversation bullshit. you don't deserve any handouts like because you don't work hard enough like anyone has like anyone has the same opportunity da, da, da. like that is such bullshit and like yeah because like, that, that conversation only exists if you exclude suffering and actual con context of history yeah and you exclude like luck in life just like being born like looking a certain way, beauty privilege, like on top of that, but it's like skin color, like the the money your family we were born into, the the connections that your family had before you were born, like all that stuff, like that is 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 in is completely integral to your success throughout life, you know? The school yeah, town sure. you grew up in, the schooling you get, like all of that. Like it's just it's so it's so clear when you look back, like how that all connects. And yet we all have these like blankets statement of like everyone has the same level of opportunity in America. And it's like, are you? Are and you that, that, that narrative only exists, uh, I think, if, if you uh, take the version of history where it's like, oh, well, Black people started when we bought them here from Africa. Like that version, that pick yourself up by the bootstrap shit only exists if you're talking about or believe in that ridiculous version of, of, of Black history, right? Because what you're neglecting is the the civilizations and the rich history of black people that have existed long before that without even the thought or influence of white people at all. Hey, thanks for being here. Don't forget to give us a five-star review and subscribe. Bye. I know it's not serving the America first, white man first narrative to acknowledge things like, uh, Mansa Musa in the Mali kingdom or like the Kush kingdom or any other black dynasty that you want to talk about. But those things are real. Like Mansa Musa was one of the wealthiest men of all times. And like, you have to look at the innovation of like the, the like even the Zimbabwe uh, kingdom. And you have to think about the advancements, advancements in trade and in, in, in agriculture and, and self-care even that were brought about with these people before white people even coincided with them or, or even met them, you know? Yes, I think that is like the crux of kind of what we've been talking about this whole time and what kind of message I think that, that I definitely want to get out and I think that you agree with me on is like talking about black history as a whole separate from white history and like and when we talk about like you know, these people in utah who are like i don't want to learn black history it's like we can have a nuanced conversation of how best to teach black history right. and that should be the that should be the, the 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 issue we're arguing on not whether we should teach it or not but how we teach it and i think we look at i mean african-american american like history in the form of oh they came here as slaves and that's their history but we don't even and this is what blew my mind too is like 
even regular African history, like the origins of humanity, where it was, it's said to be started in Africa, yep. wasn't even looked at because the, the colonists, the white colonists who came in only started recording history that oh, we all learn Europe, white European history from the 1500s on once they com- came in and colonized. So it wasn't until like the 60s, 1960s, even when they began, people started to begin looking back before to see what was going on. There was no records. And it wasn't even until the 90s, 1990s, that there was real complete records, books being written about pre-colonial African history. There was only word of mouth. There was only what people could have managed to maintain through years of pain and turmoil to remember and hang on to. And yo, this also brings up the conversation. I mean, I don't want to say very quickly, but it brings up the point. I, I was taught at a very early age, how these people were packed into these slave ships, like, you know, like head to feet, like going in opposite directions and like the disease that came about in the, in the, in the thousands of bodies that were thrown overboard and the people that didn't make it. And even the context of where they ended up is, is so vastly different than what people think it is. People would think that slaves, that, that there was this giant group of slaves that just landed in America. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true. Yeah, like let's just to put some facts and figures out there. It's like there were about 12 million Africans in the transatlantic slave trade um, between 1500 and 1866. About 2 million of those slaves died in travel and only about 388,000 of them went to America. Most of them went to Brazil, South America, and I'm sure Europe in some places too, but oh, transatlantic, so I guess it's across the Atlantic Ocean. But like, yeah, so it's like, I think, this is such a larger context. And I know, yes, of course, we're in America. We should talk about African-American history as well. But I just think, again, separating white people and black people in terms of black people's history of being dependent upon white people, like there's so much a larger context of, of, of what ha- of what's going, what happened to them and what, and where they came from and what, and the, and also the diversity of, it wasn't like all black people were the same people in Africa. There were so many different kingdoms, so many different tribes, so many different nuances of culture. And so these people are coming into like all from different cultures within their own world, all being put together. Like the nuancing of, of, of the diversity, even within black people is so much more than we give them credit for just being like, oh, they came here as black people slaves, you know? Like, and, that exists, and that completely exists without the context of white people. Like exactly. you have to think about certain things like why um, Mansa Musa also uh, being known as one of the wealthiest men in history. One of the things that he was most known for was literally just handing out gold to people. But that was when he was making his, uh, his, his, his journey to Mecca. Exactly. You want to talk about real like historical context, especially without the context of white people and how rich it is, you have to talk about, or you would want to talk about something like why Mansa Musa started following the teachings of Islam as an African man and how that happened because white people weren't involved in that, but there's a story there, right? You want, I would want to know how that happened. Well, and this, yeah. And I mean, so I just looked it up really quick. Like he died in 1337, which again, this is what, again, what I, what I, I think is so important to know is that this was all happening before any white person was really doing shit. Exactly. shit. This is, this is our point. <laughs> like, I, I, the one of the facts I have is like the, the, the kingdom of uh, Tasati, which is where present day Sudan is, 
is thought to be one of the earliest states in history, the existence of which demonstrates that in thousands of years ago, Africans were developing some of the most advanced political systems anywhere in the world before anyone else. So it's like we 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 don't the fact that we don't even give credit to black people for the beginning of civilization, for creating monarchies, for creating like rice creation, like it's like they were the first people, they the African slaves were the ones who brought rice cultivation into America. They like once one Simus was this African slave who gave who is in recorded history in America to be the first person to even give the idea for vac for vaccines. Because <laughs> back in their country, back in their country, they had this thing where they would scratch in to their skin, like a tattoo almost, like little platelets of the disease from someone else. And that he told this white guy what they did and that's how they started. So we have black people to thank for the creation of vaccines. And like just all this stuff, it's like, why don't, we should be knowing that this should be a clear knowledge of black people are innovative and just as crucial to the creation of humanity as anyone else. Yeah, like it's also oh, I think it was widely known that like the 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 Moors, uh, like like black people are the ones who taught European people how to like take care of themselves and like not die as quickly. And by that I mean like we taught the Europeans how to take baths and how to like be hygienic. Like you know what I mean? Flowers in their fucking like. They were like, they were like, no, this, this, this perfume will hide the foul smell coming from my body constantly my decaying flesh inside like, oh, my nasty sbo like like you're like you should probably just go in a go in a pool somewhere it, <laughs> like, it all serves what we're talking about right now it all serves a greater message that i that that like there are those people who will be like i'm not racist but like why are you guys so on about about black history it's like black people just deserve so much more Con like as like contextually and like in reality you know what i mean and, well, and I think, yeah I think it's about just like correcting the record too. Like it's like we have to before we can move forward and create and create a society where we don't have to talk about it all the time. We have to correct the record and make sure that we're institutionalizing a system that makes sure that everyone grows up knowing that that's the truth. And well, and the word institutionalizing is very important, right? Because there are those people that would be like, "Well, how can you correct the problem now?" And it's simple: put people, put educated people in places where you change curriculum. The same way you instill this false narrative that we just ended up here because of slavery, and that's that. Start teaching the real system. If it can be learned, it can be unlearned, and something new can be taught. We just have to start doing it. Well, and it's interesting because, like, I. You know, there like for example, the 1619 project has come under a lot of scrutiny yeah. since it came out because it, it does highlight the the origins of the slave trade in America, which is obviously it highlights the cruelty of white people for sure. Right, and we should all know about that. But I do think it is one sided into a certain degree of just like creating a narrative of black victimization in the world of in America, and like it needs to be balanced out with also what we're talking about black black first that are not dependent on white people you know black black uh, excellence that is not in relationship to just being the first black person to do this in white society the first black the first black person to do that you know like that in itself is kind of creating a narrative of like again black people being dependent on white people to do things and and that and that again think very subconsciously creates this kind of societal structure of like and you know it's like of course like for both sides, it's like we don't like white people shouldn't have to feel guilty all the time today, but they should be aware of what happened. And black people shouldn't feel like they're always victims all the time, but also 
be tr- be honest, be be have people know how how mistreated they were at one like throughout history. So it's like there's a balance there to be had, and that's the conversation I think we should be having in terms of educating people. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Victimization is definitely a mind frame that needs to be untaught, and it's not just on the responsibility of white people to teach black people their history, right? Like, I think that system has failed us. And like, <laughs> I don't think uh, any, I don't think, I don't think any person of color should be relying on solely on anyone to teach them their history. You have to have a thirsty knowledge of it yourself. Like for me, it was not until I was an adult that I realized how rich in history my family is. Right. So I talk about my great grand, my great, great grandfather a lot. Right. He he died in the 60s, uh, basically fighting for black voter rights and uh, the freedom for black people to vote in peace. Um, And his life was taken from him doing something that he was passionate about and progressing the narrative and the force that is black people and the black vote. And that's something I'm hella proud of. So I'll always be proud that I'm a descendant of Lamar Smith because of that. And then I think about my grandmother, uh, my great grandmother on my dad's side, who was one of the first people in Southern Mississippi to um, integrate uh, a public workspace. And I think it was like JC Penny that she worked for or whatever, right? And again, that for me doesn't exist because of the context of she's the first uh, black person to do this. Yes, that exists, but that just that reminds me of her power and how fearless she was. And these are the these are the reason these stories need to live and we need to continue to exchange these stories in our own community to remind our generations of of who we are and the power that we've always had. And black people, this nation was built on the backs of people of color, right? I mean, like like for example, like yeah the fact that we don't even like really highlight the the economy of the south being literally dependent upon free labor of black slaves like the reason why the economy of the south could even try to succeed is because they were making so much fucking money because they weren't paying anyone to do the shit like the white house was built by slaves you know like this just the whole thing (laughs) is the america became a dominant like economical uh, player in the world because of black slaves. Black yeah, the White House was built by slaves and yet there are those fucking buffoons and animals climbing the walls of the Capitol. Like what? The imagery of it all is just like, yo, you these these fucking folks are animals, you know? And it's just ignorant. I mean, that's what I was saying earlier. It's like it's like these people are ignorant and and then they continue to push the pride of being ignorant, you know, and like yeah. of not wanting to even have a conversation. And like, you know, I, I can go off in a certain way about like the the kind of uh extreme woke culture right now that is again about making white people feel really bad all the time and white people apologizing all the time and and you know uh all of that 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 is really kind of problematic in some ways but if but if we can sit down and really talk about the the truth of the matter and get to that's our messaging that that um if, if anything we uh, are just here to further enforce the narrative to make our our friends and the people around us uh, more curious about Black history itself and not just uh, Black American history in the way that it's been taught so that more intellectual conversations can be had even in our own circles. You know what I mean? We always let people know that we're not 
we're not like uh, the leading scholars on these topics, but the thing that we, that connects us the most is again, our curiosity um, about, about uh, life and history and not taking something that's given to us and just running with that. We do our own research, do your own, own work to know. So you can know why people fight so hard for equality. So you can know why black lives matter. So you can know why people are protesting and in the streets and what's behind a lot of these things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, the people that exist with their identity trying to be stripped away, that's oppression. And people wake up and fight against that every day. So you can say, get over slavery. You can say, but this happened this many years ago. But if you really do your research, you realize a lot of these things didn't happen that long ago. And, um, and, and, and not only did they not happen that long ago, but Black people were Black in and being Black before a lot of these tragedies even happened to them. And that's true history. So well, Black been Black. <laughs> literally literally t all of that and i think like yes we're not we're like the least racist we've ever been in history right like if you like it's always kind of progressive it's always moving but if we don't fully understand what happened we can't we can't make this we can't appreciate where we are today is the way i look at it you know and i think that like people like don't it happened a long time ago or i what didn't personally own slaves all these that kind of like brushing off the idea of having to learn about it but if you've been taught an ignorant version of history, then you're living in a world where you don't really understand the gravitas of where, how we got to where we are and the, the systemic effects of it. When we talk about systemic racism, that's what we're talking about. You know, we're talking yeah. about like how it, how it has impacted today's Systems society over, over time. Yeah. And I don't think we've truly had that full honest reckoning with it yet. Like, I think we're stuck. We're in a very politicized world. And because this has come out at the time that it has come out, you know, where, and where we are now, it's stopping us from having the conversation because we're fighting about, you know, our culture war or like, or, you know, who said what, or who's made this tweet in 2013 or whatever that's like, but that, I think that is all just like people using their emotions to be mad about things that they have no control over where we can actually control how we move forward together. If we get on the same fucking page here. Yeah. And that, and that starts with acknowledging history. Acknowledgement think, is always the first step. Yeah, and I think all those like, you know, crazy woke white people who kind of like go a little too far with being like angry about it, more so more angry than black people most of the time is because they're embarrassed, you know, they're embarrassed about like not knowing before and, and trying to make up for the fact and trying to make everyone else angry, angry, angry. And it's like, yes, there's, you need some of that. You need yeah. some of that anger. You need to really, but it needs to be harnessed in a way that is productive. Yeah. That reminds me, sorry, that reminds me that I was watching a couple clips earlier this week about about uh, Greenwood. And there was a white man who lives like white out right outside of Greenwood right now. (laughs) Yeah, there's this white man who lives white outside. (laughs) Uh, And um, they were talking about the geothermal technology that they were using to discover these mass graves and things like that. And um, they were asking homeboy, they were like, well, how do you feel about it? And he was like, well, I don't think we need it. And the lady's like, well, what would make you say that? And he's like, well, it's over now. And I'm like, bitch, for who? Those are actual people with families. Who's it over for, homeboy? You know what I mean? Like, that's real convenient for you that it's just over now, you know? And by the by, the by like, that's probably the same guy who's like, but I want that statue of Robert E. Lee to stay there. Yeah, <laughs> but if you touch Robert E. Lee, it yeah. is on. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just- No, but I will, I will give credit. The, the, the follow-up clip to that was the mayor- of, of Tulsa now, or maybe I got that wrong, but whatever. There was a political figure who represents Tulsa now being like, um, 
that guy is ridiculous. <laughs> and the first promise that we make as political figures when we are in charge of a town is that like, like one of the like easiest promises that we can guarantee is that like, if you are murdered, we will try our best to find out what happened. And he's like, and I will do that if it happened two years ago, or if it happened 200 years ago. Mm -hmm. And he was a random white dude. And I'm like, yo, straight up salute, you know? Well, and that's the other thing is like, we can allow we 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 have we should all be allies in this too. Like you yeah. know what I mean? Like it it doesn't like yes we need like I think I asked you this question the other day and I was like Richard like so who gets to decide like when we we're talking about the best ways to teach Black history and stuff I was like who do you think should decide on how to teach Black history and you're like well someone who's studied Black history like <laughs> yeah did yeah. you to say like it should be a Black person you know to do it and like yeah. it wasn't that it was just like anyone who knows what the fuck they're talking about not just some random person who has an opinion like it yeah. should be like we should allow, you know, white people in power to also make decisions in the best interest of everyone. If yeah, look, 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 historical context is real, right? And if you and I both go to school uh, for like film, like film operation, and we want to be film operators, right? We want to run a film camera, like, if both of us have studied this topic thoroughly with this under the same context, maybe not every every exact same book and every exact same article, but we've we have we have followed a system again, a curriculum that we have come up with to say that these people are the ones that are well equipped and they are the foremost knowledgeable knowledgeable people on this specific topic. I don't care what color those people are, as long as we're operating in truth and not for the messaging of like America first, like white boy first. That's it, you know? Right. And like, I think, I think there is like some like caveat there of like life experience, you know, I think that's yeah, coming to part of it, but that is not the only thing, right? Like anyone can have empathy, right? They're like, empathy is not only for people who look like you, right? You can, you can, if you study and you understand, like you can have just as much clear understanding and, and choose the right methods of moving forward and making choices and establishing policies as anyone. <laughs> like, that's it. And the like, ones that the ones that are in charge should be the ones who have studied it. Richard, I want to give you the final word on this little segment here on on like what we've said here. On you know, I mean, to 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 wrap it up, I mean, like my my best words and my words of advice are uh, Black History Month is not something that that stops in February. Um, we should always be curious and 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 want more knowledge about our neighbors and um, the people that we walk this earth with. And um, I think it's important to do your own research and acknowledge also that what we may have, what you may have been given is maybe part of a truth, but not a full truth. And that doesn't make it, uh, that doesn't make you wrong. Um, that doesn't make you right or wrong, but it's always best to keep a, a healthy self, a healthy like self thirst for, uh, history and, and historical context. So um, do your research people and, and, and celebrate black history and what black people have given uh, to this world, to this current world, because it matters. And, and that's tea. Tea, tea. <laughs> Delicious tea. Black tea. <laughs> Another black tea. Black tea, no cream, no milk. <laughs> oh, bless. I love that. Um, I'm so happy we got to talk about this today. And yeah. I, I love you, brother, so much. And I'm so happy that we got to. Love you too, brother. Um, uh... <laughs>